Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton, and welcome to Big Squid. In today's episode, Siobhan Coombs returns to help me break down Chapter 8 of the Watchmen graphic novel. A uh, big shout-out to Siobhan, who has given me uh, a good chunk of her time to help me out with this podcast, while not only being a full-time mum to very uh, cute children, she has two, but one of those is a newborn baby. Like, she literally has a newborn, and... Siobhan now this podcast while juggling a baby on her hip in one hand and a microphone in the other. And to be honest, it was beyond amazing to watch, especially since she never wavered in her concentration on either of us. Like, I would have been completely understanding if I had to say over and over again, oh, no, sorry, I said, but she was somehow completely in the conversation with me and completely aware of what her baby needed. And it was some real Dr. Manhattan shit going on there. I was in genuine awe throughout the recording of this podcast. So uh, uh, amazing. So I hope you uh, just keep that in mind while she's nailing everything that goes on in our chat. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, I've had time to rewatch episode eight of Watchmen and I just... Just loved it so much. I'm I'm a real sucker for an unsentimental love story, especially one that is fractured over time and 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 sort of displaced. And I I just feel like I had everything I wanted uh, from that episode. That, that's exactly the kind of story that I love. And I wondered early in the first watch if Doctor Manhattan's moment would be, at the moment when he fell in love with Angela, would be when she would go out and try to save him regardless of the outcome. And, you know, once again, just because you pick where the story might go, it still took me by surprise. Uh, just like, specifically with how disinterested Angela was in that moment. That That's what the writers have nailed with this series. And I think this is the way forward with mystery types of shows. Because, you know, because we've got the internet, you've got the hive mind. And then everyone gets together and everyone says outlandish things to each other. And that's, and that's half the fun. I'm not uh, saying that's a bad thing. But if you tell your story correctly, you, you lay hints in the lead up to the revelation. And therefore, someone's going to say something that will unpick a little bit of it. And then all it takes is one person to build on it and then one more person to build on it. And then and then you know what's going to come. And I, I think when you just rely on the, on the reveal, that's when we sit there feeling a little bit, oh, well, uh, that wasn't that exciting. You know, that left me a bit cold. But the secret to it is writing really interesting characters, really layered characters. So even though you might have worked out what the revelation is, the writers then throw a spanner in the works. Like, as an example, the fact that Angela knew Cal was Dr. Manhattan all the time. Like, I don't think I knew anyone who had said that. Maybe someone had said it online. I've tried to avoid that stuff as much as possible. But 
I didn't know anyone who who thought that she would know. And so you, that revelation was the bit that got you by surprise and really made it something else. Or even in this latest episode, when John finally says, oh, this is the moment, like this is the moment when you first met me, this is the moment I experienced when I fell in love with you because I experienced time all at once. And what just made that just such a tragic scene is Angela doesn't have time to reciprocate the feeling because she needs to get to work. Like there's no, oh, baby, how good is this? Hug, kiss. Like there's just no time for that. And that's what kind of makes it more special. It makes it, it, it makes it more unique. This is what this show has done so well. It, it bypasses the, the easy outs and it gives you something that is unlike anything else on TV. And I noticed that it wasn't uh, nominated for Golden Globes, but, you know, heaps of good things don't get nominations. Like, <laughs> like lots of really great shows. Like The Leftovers won fuck all, and that is a travesty because that show was a work of art. And you can see, you can see what they learnt from that show. You can see it in this, and this is even better. So don't don't get too upset about uh, awards or anything like that. I, it's always nice for the people who work in the industry to receive awards and, and feel like their work is uh, being recognised. But what you can do is find them on Twitter, find them on Facebook, and, and write something nice to them. Let them know that you're a fan and that you appreciate what they've done and the the joy that they've brought you. I you know, I'm I'm saying this on a much smaller scale. I don't want you to think that I'm comparing myself to those guys, but I I am always so touched when someone reaches out to me and and sends me a a nice message. Uh you know, I I received one last year from a, a woman in Adelaide after seeing the ballad of John Field Animus, which was just such a stunningly beautiful message. Uh, and and that she took the time to send it to me. Uh, it, it, it meant the world to me. So get in touch with them, find them online, just send them a nice message and, you know, tell them that was beautiful writing, that was wonderful direction, that was brilliant acting. This series deserves all the superlatives and it, I would say it would mean more wherever you are in the world uh, taking the time to contact them. Uh, a few squid bits for you. I hope you've been following Pedipedia because the latest updates look like they've solved the mystery of Lube Man and expanded on the novel Fog Dancing, which has been uh, recurring throughout the series. Uh, head over to Pedipedia and read it. All all of the entries are hilarious or interesting or uh, across the board. They're fantastic. And if you and if you if you love the graphic novel, this is this is the compendium pieces to the end of each chapter. And to to hit it once again on all these different levels, it's just been such a, a work of art. Um, look, I know a lot of you are really busy, uh, and maybe you don't have time to go and read. So if you don't have time to go and read, let me just say, Alexi's lip fetish may have come in really handy. Have a think about that. Uh, over at our Big Squid Facebook page, I've posted a link for the illustrated The Massacre of Black Wall Street. It was created by the Atlantic's marketing team and paid for by the HBO Watchmen team. If this series, at the very least, opens our eyes to this particular story, then it has been a success, regardless of everything else it has achieved. And it has achieved a lot. But if that's all it is, that is that is something else. Uh, I've also posted a great interview with director Nicole Castle on the difficulties in filming episode eight. Makes for a great read and uh, it really, you know, even if you enjoyed the episode, well, I, I think it'll just give you uh, new new ways or new new ways into enjoying uh, how brilliant it was. Uh, once again on the rewatch, was there a little Vite call back in episode eight to his own line? I did it 35 minutes ago. You know, when John asked for the device to make him lose his memory and fight replies, you know, I did it 30 years ago. Don't know, might be a little bit of a stretch, but it feels like he's uh, riffing off his own stuff. And seeing his ego, uh, you know, of course he'd riff off his own stuff. I can't wait to see how that storyline plays out. Oh, I cannot wait. I've loved it so much. 
I saw. Uh, I've seen some people say that they haven't been into that part of the show, and it's like, oh well, that's uh, too bad. So sad for you. I've loved it. Still loving the idea that Vite is cased in carbonite of some sort. Uh, so you know the the idea that he might be the statue. Uh, all the language around that has been very tricky, and I like the idea that he's a modern day Han Solo, as seen through the lens of the old Percy B. Shelley poem. Uh, on my latest rewatch, also, you can see the T for Lady True's businesses on the machines that the 7th Cavalry are using. And I'd, uh, uh, I'd missed that on the first uh, watch. And do you remember in an earlier pod, we threw it out there, that the Millennium Clock, which was described as telling time, might be a device that allows Lady True to wipe away uh, the occupation of Vietnam by America. And, and she said it was going to be the first wonder of the new world. And so when Lady True says she's going to save humanity, maybe maybe she uses the 7K to capture Dr. Manhattan. And then just as Adrian used Rorschach for his own means, the Lady True in many ways is the Adrian Vite of this story. The 7K wear Rorschach masks. Maybe she's going to be using them for her larger plan. And if that is the case, let's not forget Laurie's joke about the brick. Right? There's always something coming from out of nowhere to foil your plans and nothing ever ends. Anyway, I am pumped. I can uh, cannot wait for this next episode. Look, I'll swing by at the end to wrap things up and let you know about some shows that are going to come up in the uh, next few weeks and uh, at the start of 2020. But for now, let's delve into Chapter 8 of the Watchmen graphic novel with Siobhan Coombs. I don't know why I was asking you about your opinions on the first episode <laughs> and then realized we weren't holding mic- microphones. So uh, it was like, oh, what a what a wasted question. So I'm going to ask you uh, again. Uh, so you uh, you and your husband have only seen the first episode yeah. so far? Yeah, we, we finally got around to downloading and watching yeah. the first episode. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's a lot to take in, <laughs> isn't it? It's a lot to take in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I realized part like i don't watch that much tv which sounds very like i don't even own a tv uh, i do i do own a tv no but, but you, i don't watch that much yeah sometimes you just don't see much yeah. but people do wear it as a badge, a badge of, of honor. honor it's not that but i find a lot of tv because mostly what i do i read comic books more than i watch tv and i find tv quite overwhelming now right because like, a comic book you can kind of take at your own pace yes and you can kind of let it like you are kind of a little bit in control on TV. I'm like, oh, everything's happening at once and I'm not taking anything in. Right. Um, But I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. And there's like, but that is kind of the show, isn't it? Because Mm. uh, like, especially that first episode and and, and people listening have heard me say this, but after each episode, uh, I have a a, a roughly a 10 to 15 minute panic attack where I don't quite know where to start (laughs) the recap. Yeah. And yeah, like that, so much happened. So much, so happened. much happens, and, and I have no idea what any of it was. Right. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I don't know who any of these characters are. Yeah. I don't know what this world is. Yeah. Like I get that there's like raw sharks and stuff, and there were like little hints of right. Watchmeny stuff, but I was kind of like, this doesn't feel like Watchmen. And I think one of my like the 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 color palette mm-hmm. didn't feel especially Watchmeny. To oh me. Right. I feel like the color palette of Watchmen is like really key to a lot of. It's sort of interesting. Yeah. It, it conveyed a lot of tone in the book. Yeah. Um, and I felt like it was so b- bright and not pink enough. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. That's you know funny. what I mean? Maybe you'll have to wait to see if they go to Mars and to exactly. get, to get exactly. that pink going. Uh, your um, uh, nemesis, uh, Wayne. I'm so thrilled that we are finally able to uh, call <laughs> each other nemesis publicly. <laughs> it really took me by surprise. <laughs> well, just... <laughs> I think there's like been a couple of times where we've agreed that we liked something. Right. Like we both really liked, um, was that Tom King one? Omega, the Omega Men? Oh, the Men? Omega Men, yeah. We both really liked Omega yeah. Men. And then s- since then, almost 100% of the time, if Wayne likes something, I do not like it. Right. And if I like something, Wayne does not like it. What is, uh, a bit, uh, 
I'll get to what I was going to say, but I'm curious. What what is uh, the distinctions between what you like uh, each that has you on, on opposing sides? I just like what's good, and he just likes what's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, we just no, have that's like like, that's incredibly good. opposing tastes in some some way. I'll get in. And I'll be like, "How good was this?" And he'll be like, "Fuck, that was awful." And I'm like, "Man." Go jump in a lake, you, <laughs> you silly man. Oh, Wayne, take that. I look forward to his rebuttal uh, on uh, on Facebook when yeah, he I'm hears excited. this. I'm not going to tell him about it. Just let him just let him be somewhere listening to this right now yeah. going, hey. <laughs> um, uh, Wayne, when he uh, was uh, talking about the previous chapter, he mm-hmm. was talking about the colour palette as mm. well. I think the colour palette is uh, – I know what you mean uh, in regards to the comic. I wonder – there is – and we can, I always feel like John Higgins doesn't get enough of a yeah. good rap for this. For sure. You know, and the colours are important. I feel like the colours are correct for this series. Yeah, I think probably yeah. it'll, like, I think definitely one episode is not enough for me yeah. to make an appropriate judgement. I think that I'm too, like, I don't have enough time to watch fucking TV shows. Like, I mostly watch, yes. if I'm watching something, we'll probably watch a movie because, like, yes. that's finite <laughs> and that's, yeah. like contained and a tv show it's like i don't have 12 hours right. to spend in your universe right. damon lindelof or whatever right. um so i think probably if i give it more of a chance it'll it, make more sense yeah in terms of where the story is yeah and the colors yeah 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 definitely <laughs> uh, well the, the good future. thing the good thing is is that the nine episodes are it's one story right and they have not yeah. They have not planned a second series oh good so this is this is it this is it oh that's nice so I don't mind, you know, sometimes you need uh, a pilot to have as many jumping on points as possible because you're going to be involved for the next five years, six years or whatever. But knowing that this is one of nine, it feels very much like an opening chapter. Like, you know, in in many ways, I don't know how you felt when you first read Watchmen, but you're sitting there going, oh, they look a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 absolutely. It is bizarre when you... uh, reading it people look a bit bulky and yeah. look a bit grotty like yeah. it, it's it's one of the few comics where you, you you feel like you can smell it absolutely absolutely everything's really a bit gross and yeah. real and like funky oh and you fetid. can you can hear that <laughs> you, that that very specific there's a very specific noise mm. of raw shark eating yeah, that yeah, sticks yeah, with yeah, you yeah, yeah. even though you don't hear it yeah yes agreed it's it's one of the most like there's a couple of really distinct um comic book sound effects like mm. thwip or yep. snicked oh yeah bamf, bamf yep. exactly <laughs> and definitely rorschach eating is in that pantheon yeah. of like iconic noises <laughs> that's crazy isn't it like Schlomp, something like that yeah it always just sounds <laughs> gross so gross so loud yeah as well like it's really loud and uh, that's a that's a very funny thing to realize you know when you're reading something that you go oh like, I'd hate Sounds to be horrible. there. Oh, yeah. that would be driving me mental. You know what I reckon he, uh, for anyone who hasn't read the graphic novel, I reckon he probably sounds like Kurt Russell in Death Proof. Have you ever seen that? The I Tarantino have. movie? Yeah. And he's eating and it's got real close-ups of his mouth yeah. while he's eating. And uh, I wasn't really into that movie, but I remember that being something that really Sticking hit me you. in the <laughs> cinema. Yeah. Where yeah. you're like, oh, Awful. Awful. And it's good. Like, again, it's like one of those weird things where you're like, how do people, why do people, how could people have decided that Rorschach is supposed to be the hero when he is so fucking gross? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, he is a grotty man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like he smells. Yeah. All the time. There's uh, there's one character in the TV series that I reckon looks pretty smelly as well, and it's the the, the Russian superhero cop. (laughs) Who's who's mask? Russian superhero cop. Yeah, the right. Red Scare. Oh my That's god! That's what he's called. Okay, and his, well, and his and his mask is like it's so DIY. And he <laughs> and he's 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 been kind of equal parts like a good character in that uh, equal parts funny and horrific. And yeah. I, I kind of look at him and I go, you, you haven't, you, ha- you haven't even bothered to make that mask properly. So of course you're not washing it. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. You've got oh. it on your face. God, imagine how stinky Rorschach's mask would be. Mm. Oh my God. No good. Like he would just be, you, you just know that he would be constantly itching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, horrible. What an awful situation. But you know, good writing, good artwork and. Great colours. Great colours. <laughs> is that so, what you were going to say? Yeah, that is. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the recap of uh, Chapter 8. This uh, chapter is called Old Ghosts. 
Uh, and it begins with Hollis Mason calling his old friend Sally Jupiter when he sees a report about the tenement rescue on the news. He's intrigued and feels it might not only be Dan, but possibly Laurie as well. While the news vendor Bernard revels in the touch of fame he had with Rorschach, the regular customer who brought the new frontiersman in his secret identity, Dan and Laurie reconvene at the basement hideout and begin to investigate the possibility that Dr. Manhattan's decision to exile himself was a carefully orchestrated part of a bigger conspiracy. I reckon the, the hideout would be kind of dank as well, don't you reckon? The um the The Night Owl yeah, basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. A bit mouldy smelling. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. yeah. Damp. Like, you know, just that awful, yeah, damp and dusty. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, like when he puts that costume on, that is, you know, that's 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 a bad decision in the long <laughs> term for good hygiene, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Dan knows that they need Rorschach out of prison because he would have the information they need to uncover with what is happening I think in their world. that's a very tenuous, like Rorschach's clearly insane. Well, yeah, right. He's like, the only way we can solve this is to get the nutter out of prison. Right. But but the nutter is kind of onto he something. He's kind of right. It's the big problem. <laughs> right. And that's kind of what's happening in the, the series as well. Okay. Like, you know, once again, it's the nutters, uh, they're, they're, they're picking up on a kernel of truth, mm. but taking it in the wrong extreme direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're not, they're not incorrect, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're raw sharks like that as well. But, you know, if I was Dan and things seem to be going pretty well with Laurie. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting choice, especially like in that um, for it to be his first right. post-coital uh, idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like, I know what we need to do next. We need to bust Rorschach. I, I, I know every time that I've joke. had sex, I always have my <laughs> best decisions straight <laughs> afterwards and they are extreme. All my post-sex plots. Yeah. Mine are usually snack-based, but uh, (laughs) uh, later when a policeman drops by Dan's place and insinuates that not only does he know he's secretly night out, but that Dan has also been in contact with Rorschach and Laurie, the two realise that if they want to free Rorschach, they'll have to do so quickly. While Rorschach is threatened by the other prisoners on a on a mysterious island, missing writer Max Shea and painter Hira Manish discuss the squid-like creature Manish is sketching that is hidden under the tarp on the beach. It turns out this creature is about to be transported somewhere unknown. You haven't seen the episode yet, but at the beginning of episode four, someone, uh, a character right at the start, is reading a book written by Max Shea. Oh. Fun. Fun, fun little fact. It was like one of those things where you look at it. Because because it's like the comic and there's nothing in frame f- for no reason. Yeah. I was like, I wonder what that book is. I was like, oh, there, there you, you go. go. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, Dan and Laurie take Night Owl's aircraft, Archie, and head to the prison that Rorschach is trapped in. Unbeknownst to them, a riot has broken out and Rorschach's enemies use his cover to kill the masked vigilante. They underestimate him, though, and one by one they fall. By the time Laurie and Dan arrive, Rorschach is ready to go and the three masks take off together. The news of Rorschach's anger uh, escape angers and frightens a gang of not-tops who decide to take their frustration out on Hollis Mason, mistakenly believing he's the night owl reported on the news. The gang forces their way into Mason's apartment and beat him to death. The closing quote is, On Halloween, the old ghosts come about us and they speak to some, to others they are dumb, which is uh, Halloween by Eleanor Fargian. Um, two things. One is not tops. Uh, I know it's not quite right, but it always makes me think of those really delicious rolls, mm, you know, with the yes. little <laughs> top. Always kind of like when I see them, I go, oh, yeah, I can understand how they're a little bit, you know, full on and scary. Yeah. But every time I read not tops, I'm, delicious oh, God, how, how good is white bread? Why does it have to be so delicious? Um, but I, I don't know about you when you first read this, but I was horrified by Hollis Mason's death and I oh, think that it's so grim it's one of the grimmest deaths in the whole thing oh I, yes right because he seems like f- like a fairly good guy <laughs> yeah like you know yeah, like a reasonably good guy yeah like you know the things that you would say are wrong with him mm. are the era that he was brought up in exactly yes so you know some slightly antiquated antiquated attitudes towards <laughs> women and yeah. race and things like that. Yeah. But, but you go, largely. Ah, oh, that's Hollis. Yeah. Oh, he's a good guy. He's a pretty good guy. Yeah. You know. But the, but the I, I, and I feel like his death is so nothing. Yeah. And the juxtaposition with his exploits mm. as a young man 
just lends it a it's such a brilliant choice of storytelling because it it really hammers home the uh, uh, probably a cho- poor choice of word hammers home but uh, but the the tragedy of who he was as a young man and here he is now and. Once upon a time, he would have been able to take those guys out, probably. For sure. And also the kind of juxtaposition between the, like, comic book style, adventurous style of violence, and then yes. the, like, horrible reality of him being beaten to death by a little statue of himself. Oh, that A little trophy. Yeah, that panel where his trophy is making a mask across his face. Mm. And also his poor dog. Dave Gibbons. Yeah. Oh, Dave yeah, so, Gibbons. Many, so many dogs have a terrible time oh, in this book. Oh, my God. What you, got, what you got against dogs? What about Eleanor? cows in that first episode? <laughs> What happened to the cow in the first episode? I can't even remember. Oh, the first episode with the. Um... I remember the squids. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, the yeah. There's more to that. They yeah. have anyway. Um, <laughs> the the cows all getting shot. With oh the, yeah, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's one of those things which is so horrific. It also makes me laugh. Because it's yes. so horrific, like not Proper because you find violence. it right, but you yeah. just go, oh god, oh, <laughs> geez, they're really shooting those cows. <laughs> but um, yeah, it really nothing, nothing gets off lightly in uh, yeah. in this comic, does it? But uh, Hollis Mason's death is just such a bummer. It really is big bummer of a death. Yeah. Um, so uh, back at the start, it feels like Hollis and Sally lament the loss of purpose that came with their masked adventures. Hollis is poor, and Sally seems to be doing just fine, even in the home she lives. Uh, do, do you think all the characters are trapped in the past, and, and would you include Dr. Manhattan, even though he sees time all at once? Do you feel like he's a little bit trapped in the past as well? Well, yeah, he seems like he all, he's so constantly reliving, because he's yeah. in every moment at every time he's constantly reliving his own personal history yeah and it feels like a sense of like past and things slipping away is constantly like I, i'm always interested in the the um perfume uh, ad that's yeah. all the way through like nostalgia yeah adrian Vate. you're like wow. yeah um and it really comes through that sense of like an innocence lost there was this right. time where we could just innocently go and punch nazis in the face and everything right. was so easy and simple and now it's all so real but it's funny, isn't it? But when you when you look back, it was it, none of it was easy. No, like, of it's, course it's, not. It's, uh, is it? Do you think as, as you get older, it's just you just smooth out the bad bits because well, it makes life forget. bearable? Yeah, like you sort of think the the violence. Like uh, we were talking last time about like the rape um, oh, yeah, of yeah. Sally Jupiter, and you can imagine that the 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 hard edges of that kind of. You, you forget, you know? right? Yeah, time heals all wounds, right? And things seem shinier or softer from a distance yeah but yeah and that's why it's so funny for these characters to be trapped there and lamenting where things are now and you go you you guys had some pretty bad times then (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that was really the best time right it's like where you get i mean saying this is a recent parent of two it's why you get pregnant again because you forget how horrible labor in the first couple of months are oh right. because you wouldn't do it again right otherwise I've, i've always been a bit fascinated by that yeah you just for some reason I mean, obviously, because otherwise you'd never have more children. Right. You just kind of go like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that wasn't so easy. I, I, I could do that again. Yeah. It's easy. Could, look at this. This and is then, great. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> how many months in did you remember? I mean, before labor, you really remember. You go, oh, God, <laughs> I have to do this again. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. What have I done? <laughs> uh, do you mind me asking, uh, how was your second labor compared to your first? My first labor was incredibly quick. I like just made it to the hospital. It was much quicker oh, than anyone really? anticipated. Yeah, right. Um, my second labor, I knew more what was going on. So it was actually kind of a bit scary. <laughs> oh, and right. I was sort of, I, I was a bit more aware of the pain right. because I knew exactly what was happening and I knew exactly what was going to happen next. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Interesting. Yeah. I, the, the reason I ask is uh, I've had a few friends who have said, uh, that the second birth is, it just seems to happen a lot easier. One of my I friends, have very quick births anyway. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have but, really nothing to complain about other than the general hideous pain of labour itself. Right. But I had a very easy one. So, right. You know. Uh, friends of mine, uh, for their second baby, uh, her water broke and he called the uh, ambulance. And when the ambulance arrived, he held up his baby girl. Wow. <laughs> That's how quick it was. Yeah. Second babies are super quick. This time around, I was like, I, the second I'm having contractions, I'm going to the hospital. Yeah, right. Yeah. And would you have another one? Or are you... No. No. Not at this point. I haven't forgotten enough Do yet. You, you need to leave little <laughs> post-it notes around the house. Remember how much that hurt. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't want to go through this again. Yeah. <laughs> this is me from yeah. the future reminding you in the past, don't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. At this point, it's a strong no. But I said that last time around, so. Yeah. Re- uh, really no close me. friends of mine are about to have their second baby. And, and both times that they've gotten pregnant is... Uh, uh, He's run. He he runs a comedy room in uh-huh. Adelaide, and each time we've worked out that they've had you know celebratory sex, and then they've had a baby. <laughs> you know, like nine months later, and so I've been saying to him, "Hey, at the end of the Adelaide Fringe next year, how about you like just go and have dinner? <laughs> just have a nice dinner. That's other, all. Other ways to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> she has told him it is snip snip time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I feel that. And he is. More than happy if if that is the way to go. Yep. He is more happy to go snip snip. That's good. Yeah. That's good. very supportive husband. <laughs> I like his style. Yeah, no, <laughs> I respect it as well. I also respect her going, you know what, this has been great. No more. But uh or or no more celebrations. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> what would you prefer, man? Yeah, come on. <laughs> oh man, it makes me laugh so much. Um so uh there's something really interesting in one of the uh, panels in the with especially with Sally. Uh, mm. uh, uh, actually, just before I point this out, I had a uh, really um, interesting conversation with Wayne, and mm. uh, it's, it's, it's something I hadn't articulated to myself, but I kind of worked out. Which is, as I get older, uh, my interest and favorite characters kind of change and I have a different opinion like he was a bit uh, down on Laurie in this and uh, for being so young sounds like Wayne oh your nemesis but I kind of have real as I as I get older and uh you know kind of just understand how uh you know relationships Mm. and things can play out this time around I, I have so much empathy for Sally and for Laurie yeah and it's um not that I didn't have that, but I just didn't have the uh, experience of life to really understand it. Because I could recognise it, mm. but I didn't understand it. But now reading it, and it's like, oh man, those those poor women, yeah. you know. And then the and then the sins of the of Sally on Laurie, even though they come from a positive place, yeah. they are sins. Yeah. And uh, something that I think is uh, interesting, and I've uh, I've written a blog about this as well. The series is making me look at this comic differently mm. because it's making me feel that this is actually, you know, in The Dark Knight Rises, it's it's the end of Bruce Wayne's story, but it's also the origin story for John Blake as yeah, Batman. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get to the end of this, and I think it's now an origin story for Laurie oh. because of the reframing of it in the TV series. Okay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and it, because they fleshed her out in such interesting ways, you can look back on this. And because superheroes are uh, born out of trauma, mm. you, can, you can say, I know that she is a superhero early, but her trauma is being forced into it and then ending up in a relationship with... Dr. Manhattan. When she was 16. When she was 16. I just think about that all the time oh now. Oh my God. Like Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan, Woody yeah. Allen, this is all happening at once, <laughs> right? And then, um, but then also the, um, you know, what she learns about who her real father is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, she actually goes through trauma all the way through this comic. And then at the end of it, she decides, oh, I'm going to dress up in leather and use guns and, and in, mm. in the 
in the TV, the TV world, show. she takes on the persona of the comedian oh. before she's captured in 1995. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So mm. so looking back on this now and rereading it, it's like, oh, well, this has just completely changed her. Yeah, absolutely. Because she she does – she come. It seems like stuff happens to her the whole way through. She has no agency throughout this whole book. Right. She's just led around by like her mum and yes. then the various men who have control in her life. Yes, which um, is a, a, a criticism of the graphic novel. Yeah, well, it, I, I think it's also like, again, I think that Alan Moore understands the female struggle quite right. quite uniquely yes. in some sense. Like he, I think it's quite a accurate. I think it's an honest sort of look at the way that a lot of women have had to live their lives. Yeah. You, you know, know what? Th- that's so good because I have been because because he's quite clearly a feminist. Yeah, and uh, he loves women. <laughs> right, he does. He's like lots of them. Yeah. But, uh, but the thing is, is that um, uh, that was a criticism that I'd never heard until in recent months. Mm. And you know, you take you try to take that criticism on board and have a look at it, and but it, it never sat right with me. But you have just explained that perfectly, mm. and it's not that he's saying. She's this is, not this interesting. This is her place, or like this is correct. Yes. she's not interesting. This is probably what she would have gone through yeah. in that world. And it's kind of like there's almost a little bit of me that finds it a bit sad how how quickly she latches onto Dan, but yes. also understandably, like for her fucking survival, like of right. course that's what you do. That's all you can do, especially right. when from a young age you've been shown that you, the only things you have to offer are like your body. You yes. Know? That's what you do, man. Yeah. And the idea of her running around in this outfit is so ludicrous. Right. Like, she's got no bra on, man. Yeah. She's just got these little things covering her, like, anyway. It would just be so sore. Pornographic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sore, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Before you even get into that. Um, um, but I, I, you know, empath- I empathize with her a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ep- episode three. I'm oh, telling okay. you. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I know. I know. You know, you're a grown-up with, with <laughs> children and stuff like that. But uh, I'm being selfish. I just want to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want to give I it do away. Uh, but what I find interesting in the, when we at that start where you – when Sally's on the phone, you can see she's been flicking through the Tijuana Bible that explored her adventures in exploitative ways. Is the fact that Sally finds this flattering – is that is that a comment on Sally representing typical Golden Age heroines who were – often subservient to the male characters uh, and, you know, usually depicted uh, adventures with these thinly veiled, you know, sexual themes and yeah. fetish kind of. Yeah, do, yeah. do you think that's what it's more of a statement on or or uh, did we just touch on it then? Well, I think part of it is that she does feel flattered by it. Yeah. You know, a time when she felt wanted. Yeah. The only way that was possible for a woman to be wanted during, yeah. you know, in that sort of time. Yeah. Um, I think probably also it's like it's a it's a fun commentary on like the kind of Wonder Woman bondagey yeah. um stuff, which I mean that's that that's, that's so that's, interesting as yeah. well. Yeah. Like that whole history and Like Wonder Woman is this weirdly uh is that your baby crying? Yeah. Oh <laughs> let's have a little break. There's now three of us in the podcast. We have uh your <laughs> look at the way he's looking at the microphone as well. Baby gold balls. Is, is this your opportunity to make a statement you, about Watchmen? What have you got to say to the world? Yep. Don't eat the microphone. Oh, yeah. That was that was exactly <laughs> what was going to happen then, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, it, it's, uh, we're just about to say, uh, out of all the, the, the major heroes, uh, Wonder Woman has that fascinating... Mm. Uh, Backstory. Yeah. Have you seen the movie that's based on his life? Um, oh, no, I haven't actually. Is that good? I, I mean, I really enjoyed it, but apparently the family were very like, that's not accurate. Right. Don't, we don't want you to make this. Right. Um, because it was quite sort of salacious. In, right. Because, um, is his name William Marston? Yeah. He was a... A, a psychology professor, yep. and he invented the lie detector, yeah. and he also invented Wonder Woman, yeah. and he had two wives, very uh, Alan Moore style. Right. Well, he had a wife, and then they had a sort of live-in lover. Yeah. You know, they were threesome, and then I think he passed away, and the two women stayed together for stayed the rest together. of their lives. Stayed together, yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting the way that he, he had all this kind of um, bondage as like a powerful symbol, like right. a sort of 
um, freedom through bondage kind of stuff. And so yeah. that's why I like all of the Wonder Woman stuff is very... It's always her chained always, up with a phallic kind yeah. of missile <laughs> flying towards yeah, her. Exactly. Or she she binds people with her rope and right. stuff like that. Right. Sort of truth through bondage kind yeah. of um kind of stuff. Um and it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, and like the original Wonder Woman comics are actually very sort of she's very powerful, she's very yeah. strong through this kind of subservient like that's how she always solves the solves the problem is yeah. through like service in some sense. Right. Um and then you know, she becomes the secretary of the Justice League kind of oh, thing yeah, then, <laughs> once once she's popular enough and yeah. that, that stuff all kind of went out the window. But once other writers who aren't quite as progressive come along and decide, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, she's a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She must be the secretary. And it's yeah, like, exactly. wait a minute, Wonder Woman might be the most powerful person <laughs> yeah. on the team. She can literally tell truth, Yeah, you know? it, it's, but, um, it's funny looking back at, you know, we, we think about how uh, – progressed we are as uh, you know with writers and stuff like that yeah but you know you, you look back on those early superman stories and he was you know uh, uh, he was anti for the little business. person yeah, yeah exactly yeah. he was kind of like this anti-capitalist taking down sort of uh bad bosses and yeah. bad landlords and stuff yeah. like that that was kind of what he was up against like there's no sort of his his biggest enemy is Lex Luthor, sort of this right. symbol of ultra capitalism. Right. Um, and then he just became. I think it was probably during the war when it became more about like American values. Yes. The yes. American way. Yes. As opposed to the sort of being a symbol of, um, you know, the outsider. Yeah, and... the alien, the, yeah. the Jewish immigrant. That yeah. kind of the immigrant experience is kind of what I think he was supposed to be about. Yeah. It's a. I feel like maybe. Um, do you have any? idea of I feel like Batman's just kind of a detective isn't he like he doesn't quite yeah, have well, that Yeah well he was he was based on the kind of pulp heroes like more the than shadow. Yeah exactly yeah. more than anything else and for some reason he just he just stuck he doesn't yeah. have any kind of noble <laughs> No <laughs> he's more like I'm a rich guy and I love bats <laughs> and I I beat up on people from uh, yeah, yeah, low yeah. socio economic <laughs> situations Yeah Oh little fella the uh, also Wonder Woman goes through that really interesting phase in the seventies where she becomes this yeah. feminist icon, kung fu, and yeah, doesn't she lose her powers and and becomes good at martial arts? Yeah, they. I mean, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman has been through some of the most disrespectful changes for one of the most important sort of right. female icons. But like, there have been a whole bunch of times where they've just been like, and now she dresses in like a karate. A karate uniform, yeah, and she's just Diana Prince, agent of whatever, right. um, and she just solves crimes with with kung fu, right? And then there was a time where she was like a sexy biker, and her right. costume oh, was yes. like like leather biker shorts and stuff like, like what that. Is yeah, there, right? yeah, I know that was. I I secretly love that costume, yeah, um, but it's one of the worst periods in like right. Wonder Woman history, surely. Right. So, did you enjoy the movie? Yeah, I, a bit. I enjoyed most of it. A bit, yeah. I didn't. The ending, for some reason, I wasn't that into. No, it, I I agree totally. The, the The ending was you had this really interesting movie. You mm. you, you had uh, flipped the male female roles. Yes. yes. Uh, I, I think Chris Pine is really underrated in it. I think he absolutely like he's he, a perfect like blank male icon. I yes, think, you know, but also comfortable with. Like yes. recognizing, oh, she she knows She's heaps more the than boss. me. Yeah, and really, he never talks down to her. He just tries to help her not yeah. stand out. Yes, and uh, but, but all my favorite moments in that movie are like when she sees a baby or when she tries ice cream and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh my God, this is the greatest thing I have ever tasted. Yeah, and She's very, like, it's good casting. She's yeah. very charismatic. And then th- that scene at, at the trenches is, yeah. like, one of the great superhero cinematic moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they were going to try and cut that. I think that was uh, that was maybe a late edition or they were going to cut it and they were like, no, 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 no. This is... We've got to put this in. This is her scene. Like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. where it all comes together. And it's just disappointing that it ends in a CGI slugfest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's my main problem with most superhero movies is the, the sort of end battles are always so dull. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just kind of get reduced to, yeah. to that. And I understand that they've got to be... It, like, it's the genre, so it, yeah. it, it has to kind of finish in that way. But, you know, you need... There's many ways to do that. Right. What do you reckon are good ones? Um... I quite like the ending to Logan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't... I can't really remember well enough. Yeah. But Logan's Logan's a good one. Yeah. The, the Dark Knight one's good because you've got so much going on. Yeah. Like, you've got three or four different storylines happening all yeah. at once, so you're cutting back and forth. But uh, when it just comes down to a bit of a punch-on... 
Yeah. It's like... I yeah. don't really care. Like, I hate all, like, the Avengers ones where it's just, like, hundreds and hundreds of people just running at each other. Like, <laughs> no, I just don't have, don't have the energy for that. <laughs> <laughs> they do love running yeah. at each other, yeah. I kind of, uh, you know, uh, I understand where Scorsese is coming from. Yeah. Uh, Same. In many ways. And Not it, that I want to get involved in that. No, but I, you know, that. I love the genre, and you know, of course, but absolutely, he's not incorrect. He's he he may even be correct. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, in in this the the, the new frontiersman uh, frontiersman article at the back of this chapter, uh, it's so full of dreadful yeah. racism and right wing zealotry, but it also as we've spoken before, contains correct assumptions, including the story about, you know, they're all over the people missing, right? So does this hint of truth contained, uh, you know, there's truth contained in this unfair assumption. Did this accidentally predict where we would be today? It's very Alex Jones, isn't it? Like that sort of vibe. And, you know, like for every for every Pizzagate, there is a Bilderberg group. Do you know right. what I mean? So, like yeah. every now and again, if you're if you're obsessed with conspiracy and if you're looking for conspiracy, yep. sometimes you might actually find a real one. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Not that I'm a massive conspiracy theorist, but I am. No, but if uh, do you <laughs> do you, do you mean you enjoy them but don't adhere to them? <laughs> I'm. I'm keen to find out about them. Oh yeah, but I'm I'm have yeah, a healthy level of, <laughs> of cynicism. I hope. I yeah. hope. Are there any that you believe? Um, I mean, I do believe in the Bilderberg Group. They seem to be real, right? That seems to be real. Yeah, yeah. like have you read the John Ronson yeah. book? Yeah, 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 yeah. They seem to be pretty real. That's a great read. It's a good. I love John Ronson. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's a clever man. Um, yeah, you know the JFK one is the one that always feels like. Uh, there's a, a yeah, there's something there. There's something there that's not been properly right uncovered. And so often, like I mean, isn't that what kind of 2019 is about? Is like uncovering all this stuff that you're like, ah, turns out they were in on it the whole time. That's right. a big bummer. It's so funny, you know. The the the, you know, if you if if you don't have anything good to say about someone, don't say anything at all. And that's why often I don't really talk about Trump. Yeah. But one of the things that I thought might be a mild mild one degree of positivity yeah. would be that he would be such a bull in a china shop that he would just come through and go hey here's all these files i've been told i'm not allowed to share them i'm going to share them we'd yeah. sit there and we'd go oh here are the files yeah. and he hasn't no he's they, I, I feel like they probably just don't let him see that stuff they're probably <laughs> controlling him so much oh that they're God. like that one's not for you here's another dossier of pictures <laughs> of you and people talking about how great you are over here on the table uh Everything you need to know from the moon landing to who really rules the world to JFK. <laughs> Don't and over that. here, uh, pictures of you in <laughs> Us Weekly. And would you, you sign look great. some of them you for look our skinny. friends? Yeah, <laughs> your hair looks good. Yeah, yeah. Good skin tones. John Higgins has really fixed you up. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, yeah, this is great. I'll just uh, sign on to this. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, that was. Um, that bit at the end, like when I was younger, I read it and I was just like, oh, God, this is really over the top. And yeah. now I kind of read it and I go, oh, this is really subtle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> even, the, even the artwork, you know. The art really makes me laugh. Like, Dave Gibbons <laughs> really landed on, like, some hilariously, yeah. like, grim sort of racial stereotypes. <laughs> oh, but it's know. so funny and it's, like, unsubtle. Yeah. Unsubtlety, and I love the I love the sexy waitress yeah. handing out doobies and, like, <laughs> stuff like that. You're like, oh, man, you guys are, you guys are funny. <laughs> he, um... For, for someone whose artwork all the way through the series is subtle and, yeah. and, and you know. Uh, it's so funny. When I was younger, I used to think like, oh, he's, you know, he's servicing like the script. You know what right, I mean? Like, I don't think right. I paid him enough credit for, because I, when I was younger, I was like, oh, if, you know, if it's not a really distinctive artistic style, I yeah. don't rate it that highly. Yeah. I love, you know, really out, off the wall kind of right. um, distinct um, art styles. Yeah. But now I'm like, God, he's so fucking clever. And oh, like yeah. everything is so perfectly yeah. um, placed and drawn out. Yeah. And, ah, man, so like, genius. Like the the expressions, the facial expressions yes, are yeah. unbelievable. And how distinct he manages to make each face. Like right. that's something that's you know, look at Betty and Veronica. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's you hard know. to do. Like you know, like I they love... don't just have different hairstyles. <laughs> right. Like I love George Perez. I think oh, George Perez is amazing. one of the all time greats. One of the all time greats. But sometimes if there's a scene with Steve Rogers and Clint Barton and you and really need the outfits like, to tell a story. A <laughs> What's happening here? Uh, who was the artist? Did you ever think, like, when you first read this, 
if you weren't quite appreciating yeah. Gibbons, who would the artist young you would have replaced him with? Oh, God. Who, who were you into at the time? Who was I into at the time? Um, I mean, I was <laughs> probably George Perez. I was like, there's yeah. not enough double-page spreads of hundreds of superheroes in this. <laughs> Where's George Perez? Get him on the line. Um, I wonder if there is any Perez Watchmen artwork out there. Surely someone's asked for him to draw. Yeah, I'd, it must be. You must be, be able to get a commission. <laughs> that'd be amazing. I saw so, someone, I don't know what it is, but I think someone made like a an animated version of Watchmen. As yeah, a, there was a, some a, kind of... looks like a Hanna-Barbera version, which is really <laughs> entertaining. That sounds amazing. Yeah. The, uh, a, a comedian friend of mine, Jonas Holt, sent me a meme, uh, and it was someone looking at Rorschach, and I'll get this slightly wrong, but they're looking at Rorschach saying, I get confronted by this superhero, and all I can think about is my parents have, <laughs> yeah, having yeah, a fight. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, that's a really funny meme. Yeah, it really is. Ah, uh, that's great. How's a little fella going? He's looking all right. He's all right. He's all right. Oh. Little cry. Teething. Teething is a nightmare. Yeah. By the way, I yeah. had, I you blew my mind with teething. Yeah. That's one of those things that yeah, you yeah, gladly yeah. forget about. I yeah. didn't realize it lasted so long. It goes on forever, man. Forever. Yeah. My two-year-old still has molars coming through. It's a nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> Awful. Why does anyone do this? Oh, well, like, yeah. <laughs> Before I go, well, I'll help you write these notes to remind you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Tattoo it on the inside of my eyes. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll belt through this first, for the little fella's sake. Uh, the, the comic is often referred to as cinematic, uh, but in many ways the story is grounded within superhero tropes. Is this, in the end, a, a, a new type of comic or a new way of looking at this genre of story? It has, it has costumes, it has gadgets, it has motivations that most comic book characters don't have, but it... Um, it looks at these stereotypes without affection, yeah. don't they? Which is what kind of makes it fascinating. Well, I think I think so much of Watchmen is it's a it's a critique or or a exploration of superhero comic books specifically. Right. Like the medium is the message on some level. Like yeah. the the structure of each issue is so integral to the actual product and what they're trying to say and like the way that the sort of overlapping of the, especially in this issue, the overlapping of the pirate comic with what's actually happening is Mm. so grim. And so Mm. um, I think that Alan Moore probably at this point in his career, I don't know enough. I haven't read enough to know for sure, but like he'd just been doing all these DC comic books, which I love. Like I love his green lantern stuff. Yeah. All that kind of um, era. Those, those throwaway stories that seem to have created the, 2000s yeah. mythology. That the 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 Mogo the Living Planet yeah. issue is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Um but I think he was probably quite disillusioned with like the genre, the limitations of the genre yeah. and like the sort of corporate aspect of it as a whole. Right. And so so much of this feels like a real critique of comic books yeah. especially. And so that's why I've always been like I don't think it really works in cinema or um yeah, that's right. filmed because it's 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 a comic book. It's right. about comic books. It's about superhero comic yeah, books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I think they were under the impression as most people are when they're creating something new that they're hey, look, we're showing you a whole new way to do things. And yeah. then everyone just went, oh, yeah, that's great. We'll just make Batman gritty and we'll yeah. have the Punisher kill people. And here's uh, 20 years of people mistaking uh, a comic realism yeah, exactly. to be just dark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the the idea that you would take this like incredibly sort of subtle critique of authoritarianism and be like, you know what this needs is now we need like Superman to be really grim. Like <laughs> yeah, that's right. what that's what the message of this was. Yeah, yeah, it must be so there's so much confliction for specifically more yeah. to, you know, regardless of the contract stuff. Yeah. To to look at this and just go, oh, this thing hangs over me. That yeah. once again, that's why one of the things I think the TV series is doing well, which is looking at the tropes of superheroes in 2019 yeah. and critiquing them. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like it's the right time to do it as well. Yeah. Like there is there is a scene at the beginning of episode three. People listening to this will know what I'm talking about, but I'm speaking obliquely for you, but is very much a, a play on the opening of a famous superhero movie. Okay. And spins it around and you go, oh, yeah. That's pretty great. That's good. That's yeah. fun. And as soon as that happens, you go, oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Oh, fun. Um, once again, <laughs> this seems to be one of our favourite topics. <laughs> we see Rorschach take out the other bad guys in cool and inventive ways. 
Is this just yet another example of what made the casual reader believe he was actually cool? Like the yeah. way because because once again he's trapped, he's pinned down, and then he just takes out all these guys who are worse than him. Yeah. And also, he gets to be quite funny in this issue. Like, he gets all those that little hilarious comebacks to the to the guys who are threatening him. And you kind of go like, oh, that's, that's pretty funny, Rorschach. You're pretty cool. Oh, yeah. what's uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but it's something like Big Fish Small Fry or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's... Uh... Making little funny remarks about people's height and weight and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, man, you're really getting away with it, man, Rorschach. You're, you're on a roll here. Yeah. Uh, there is... It, it, there's so many... Um, once again, all the storytelling by Gibbons. Uh, there's mm. so much, so much things in, uh, so many things in each panel that uh, uh, you can, in hindsight, realize where the action was going. So it's not telegraphed, but it's it doesn't come from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and again, I mean, John Higgins' um, colors in the prison break scene, especially, uh, are yeah. so like, like I mean, who would have thought to make it like sort of that dark purpley pink kind of oh, color yeah. the whole way through, but it's really ominous. It's really oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, I have to say for everyone listening, you are—you uh, have no idea how amazing Siobhan is at the moment. <laughs> Not only giving Standing some great critique, but she is <laughs> dancing with a baby in one hand and really nailing all of this. And I don't know if you've noticed, but my legs started jigging in time to you. So, <laughs> Sorry. That, that, no, it's no, no. It's I, unbelievable what you can do with a baby on on your hip once you have to. Yeah, right. <laughs> once you find out you have to. I feel like. Um, I'd love to see you doing karaoke, put little headphones <laughs> on. and <laughs> uh, Well, let's uh, get through these uh, squid bits. Um, w- one of my favourite things is while while Dan can't get it up, we see Adrian Veidt performing amazing feats of Yeah, that's a prowess. fun moment. The commentary. So silly. Oh, my God. Alan Moore, you dirty old man. It's, it's hilarious. Um, on uh, page three, panel one, Dan is replenishing his sugar supply which will give away his identity to the cops later in the graphic novel, which is uh, which is fun. Yeah, good fun. Um, in the news, there is a report that the Institute for Extraspatial Studies might be close to opening portals to other dimensions. This is not only a foreboding moment for the giant squid, but it helps explain the reluctance to use technology in the HBO Watchmen series. Ah, so that's what, that's what okay. that means. Cool. Um Hang in there, little fella. Uh, On page 25, (laughs) panel 7, we hear Billie Holiday's You're My Thrill, which we also heard when Laurie was driving Angela in episode 4 of the TV series. Um, The final quote from Job is the moment that Job laments how younger men deride him and his better days are behind him. And on page 27, panel 8, you can see Hollis Mason's copy of his book, but also Philip Wiley's Gladiator. A book about a scientist who invents a serum to improve humankind and injects the serum into his pregnant wife. The boy is born with superhuman strength, speed and bulletproof skin, but spends much of the novel hiding his powers. And this book was written in 1930 and is recognised as a source of inspiration for Superman's creators, Joe Shuster and Jerry Siegel. Good fun. Yeah. And that sounds sounds like the Man of Steel version as well. Yeah, it does. Does he also allow his dad to die? Such a such yeah, a bad moment. It's such a like, roll that, call. That that whole movie is like so close to being great. Yeah, like it's right on the precipice. Yeah, but it's it's those tiny moments that like, I mean, you know, do whatever you want in a movie. My favorite superhero comic, my favorite Superman comics will still exist. Mm. But for me, the the two moments of like Superman allowing his father to die mm. and then choosing to kill Zod, they're mm. the least Superman moments of all time. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the opposite of the choice that Superman would make and that's the point of Superman. Yeah. You know? Like, the point yeah. is that he has this power and he chooses to do the right thing and that's what makes him exceptional. Yeah. Him, having him make those kind of uh, wrong wrong calls, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just, doesn't, just doesn't work for me in terms yeah. of Superman. Yeah. Which is a shame because he's got a magnificent chin. Oh, right. Perfect, perfect yeah, for Superman, yeah, right? Yeah, right, he's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, Bubby is agreeing with all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> A little hint of my mum voice. So yeah. cute. All right, well, let's uh, finish up. Thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Are you back at work yet? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Pod- <laughs> is your podcast coming back? It is. It is. We'll be hopefully doing a new episode soon now that I'm like actually back reading yeah. weekly comics. Hooray. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, when you're back up, let us know and I'll uh, put stuff up on the Facebook page so you can hear do. more of your thoughts. Thanks, man. Okay. Get back to being a mum. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you once again to Siobhan Coombs for 
all of her time. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a complimentary rating on whichever platform you use. The podcast will continue once Watchmen finishes. So when the TV series, we've still got chapters 9 and 10 of the graphic novel. They've already been recorded with Ben Elwood. I've already recorded chapter 11 with Richard Feidler. So what I'll do is I'll, you know, I'll have some extra thoughts on the series. Now, you know, it's always fun to see where you're at uh, after the episode. You know, we, we worked to such a deadline to get the uh, podcast out in time for the TV series. So, um, you know, it'll give me a bit more time to ruminate on stuff. And then uh, Chapter 12 has a guest who will help sum up our feelings on the comic and the TV series. Uh, so, um, with everything that's going on work-wise at the moment, I might even, once, once uh, we have nine out, I might even try and try and get stuff out to you uh, before Christmas. So, I'll try to get the last three out. So, I'll, I'll do my best on that. Um, and then I'll take a little bit of a break and then I'll have a little one-off uh, at the beginning of January for you, just to keep you uh <laughs> interested um and that'll be a that'll be a very different uh thing that I'm going to cover and then we have an idea Ben's really keen to do the Watchmen movie do you want us to do the Watchmen movie I feel like if we did it would be so good if we could like do it live somewhere wouldn't it but um anyway let me know on the Facebook page uh Big Squid with Justin Hamilton let me know if you would like us to do the Watchmen movie um I don't want to. I don't. I don't want this to be a negative podcast. So I would. Um, and I think there are, you know, facets of that movie to enjoy in many ways. So anyway, that's that's kind of the reason I have a mild pushback towards that. I want this to be a podcast that is not above criticism, uh, but is more a celebration than the bollocksy negativity that we deal with in the majority of our lives. But anyway, so, and I have an idea and a new series that we would like to cover after that. But those details can come later uh, once we get closer to them. Uh, if you're in Adelaide, my friends and I are going to be doing a fun year in review at the Rhino Room on the 20th of December. This will be my last gig for the year, so that'll be fun. Head to adelaidecomedy.com for tickets and details. And if you come along and you listen to the podcast, please come up and say hello. Uh, I opened John Tildanimous, Time is the Fire, on the 18th of February at the Adelaide Fringe. A twisty tale of John and his toy monkey Lou desperately attempting to evade their enemies by using songs to hide in their memories. Don't worry if you haven't seen any of the previous John Tildanimous shows. They're all designed as standalone stories. So if you, if you come along, you get that story and you will get everything you need. If you have seen the previous shows, then you will get a little extra out of his continuing adventures. Uh, If you like your comedy more straightforward, and Hamo was his name, oh, runs for a week in March, at the beginning of March. So I just need to let you know, just a little little hint, you know, because you guys are into, you know, tricky things. You know, you you like this TV show, you like the comic. If you come to both, you'll be rewarded with little Easter eggs that match the shows up in ways that I don't want to tell you how. But one is a bonkers, non-linear show about a a guy and his monkey hiding in memories using songs as a conduit. And the other one's a straight stand-up show. But you will see these uh, little little joiners that uh, let you know that um, one is a reflection of another in some way. Mm. It's only for the nerds, right? I know my people. I want want to keep you guys happy. I want you guys to be sitting there going, oh, and have other people not know what it was. Because you know what? Everything doesn't have to be for everyone. Sometimes it's just for you. If you're a Doctor Who fan, Whovians comes back first week of January and we have some fun things planned for you. And I promise I'll do my best to drop some Watchmen Easter eggs where I can. That'll Once again, they'll be little gags just for you. Next episode, we have a big show. We have guests Alexi Toliopoulos, Ben Elwood and Rove McManus helping me through the trauma of the final episode of Watchmen. I can't wait for the finale. 
and I can't wait to share our podcast with you and I can't wait to hear your thoughts as well. Thank you for being a fantastic audience. It is really appreciated and not taken for granted in any way. Until then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.